0: Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to the As You Are podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about joy. There's a huge
1: difference between happiness and joy. So, we dive into that a little and back into the Christmas story.
0: It's week three of our Advent series, and a really important
1: one. So, settle in.
0: All right, here we are. We're live. We are live, week three of Advent.
1: I will say that Anna and I had a little bit of a freak out last night. We were going (laughs) to record the new podcast today, and we started researching again because we looked it up before we started and found that the order was whatever the order that we're going in for these number of weeks. For Advent, but then I found another article that listed the order differently.
0: <laughs> so, and, then, and then we asked my dad, and he listed it differently, too. And we yes. were like, oh, no, what do we do? So we started looking
1: into it and realized that there's not just one order of things that we celebrate during Advent. D- different traditions focus on it in different ways. So the order that we're going to do it in is hope peace, joy, and then love. So yes. these are all good things to focus on for this month, and it doesn't really technically matter which order, yeah. but today we're going to talk about joy.
0: As we we're prepping for this debriefing and thinking like, all right, what? how do we want to go about it? It's like surprisingly more complicated than you would think.
1: I know, because you can't force yourself to feel joy, <laughs> you
0: know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, how do we unpack it? What does it look like? I right. think our culture talks about choose joy a lot. It's almost been watered down by just our society. And so like, what does it actually mean? Like, what really is joy? So we are going to try to answer that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So when I was looking into some of the scripture that churches will read on the joy week of Advent, they pointed to Philippians 4, 4 through 5. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Mm -hmm. The Lord is near. And when I look at that, the main thing that stands out to me is that he has to repeat himself.
0: (laughs) That's so true.
1: So it's like saying rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in what he's given to you, what he has done for us what he's continuing to do and when you start to drift off of that point i will say it again rejoice right
0: it's almost <laughs> reassuring cuz he knows yeah. we're going to drift off again you know like there's some reassurance in that of like it's okay it's going to happen but just come back like i'm going to say it again
1: yes i thought it would be interesting to read through a couple different translations for philippians yeah. 4 4 through 5 The English Standard Version says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The message says celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see Mm, that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. The New Living Translation yeah. says, "Always be full of joy in the Lord." I will say it again: Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon.
0: Hmm. It's cool that it's saying like, from people will see that there's something adi- different about us from our joy, like from rejoicing in the Lord. Yep. Uh,
1: I, something that you and I were talking about earlier is the difference between happiness, and joy. Yes. I think that everybody wants to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, there are songs about it. Of course, we all just want to feel good. But there's such a huge difference between happiness and joy, even though a lot of times they're used interchangeably. Yeah. They, We tend to think that they mean the same thing. Basically, you feel good, you feel Uplifted, you feel like everything's gonna work out. But what did we say was the difference? I liked what you said.
0: I said happiness is circumstantial. Your happiness can be fleeting. Like your circumstances come and go, they're always changing. But joy is so much deeper than that. It's like in your soul, that it's a steadiness. Like joy is steady and happiness is not. It almost reminds me of like thinking back to the podcast where we talked about building your house on the rock and like Mm, that's even like the rock obviously is Jesus but like when our joy is found in Jesus it's steady but happiness is fleeting and it's gonna fail us eventually because our circumstances are always changing and the reality is life is hard like things happen that just flat out suck and yeah that's reality but joy is grounded in Jesus.
1: Yeah, joy is available to us in any and every circumstance when we have our hope in Jesus and our foundation. Yeah. In him. And and like you were saying, with our foundation, the rock being Jesus, then we have his spirit with us. And Galatians five, twenty two through twenty three is about the fruit of the Spirit, which means they're kind of using a metaphor for when, if you were a plant, (laughs) you would produce this fruit because of the Spirit of God in you. So it's the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not just that you should try to be those things if you're a christian. We should always try to be those good qualities. But the point here is what grows out of us, what grows within us when we are when we have the spirit of god with us when we're following jesus, are these things. They start to grow in us naturally, and that's how we know when we are walking hand in hand with god. Yeah. That's how we know we're on track is that these things are being produced in our mm-hmm. lives.
0: And that's cool thinking about like if we were plants and it's fruit that is coming from us. The tree doesn't do anything to produce the fruit. It's the circumstances surrounding the tree. It's like the nutrients that the tree is getting. And so if we are right. rooted in Jesus, he is going to provide joy. And even in that verse you shared at the beginning, it's talking about like rejoicing in God versus rejoicing in like what's happening around us. Like those things right. are fleeting, but when we're rejoicing in Jesus, the result will be joy and all those other things that are listed as the fruits.
1: Yeah, like I didn't think about it that way for some reason. All these verses say they don't just say rejoice. Right. They say rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord. always.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
1: I feel like this is the first time that I'm thinking about it that way, really. I I felt like this was a commandment to be joyful, but I think what it's saying is when we rejoice in the Lord, in Him, and what He's done, then our perspective is different than when we are rejoicing in circumstances. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: a C.S. Lewis quote that says... Joy is never in our power, but pleasure or happiness often is. And oh, that's so good. I think that that's like kind of what we're saying right here we can't just like muster up joy, it's a deeper thing than that. But happiness, like, sure, we can muster up
1: happiness. Yeah, if you think about it, all of us will be making our way to relatives' houses over the next few weeks, and we might wake up and be having a bad day. Some things might be going wrong. But when we get to our relatives' houses, we will muster up all of the happiness that we can. <laughs> yeah. They'll say, how are you? And we'll say, we're great. How are you? Yes. But to be truly joyful um, is so much deeper. And that's what God wants for all of us. Mm-hmm. He wants us to have that true joy, not to just add things to our own lives that we think are going to make us happy. So that is what we want to focus on today, but we also want to dive back into the Christmas story.
0: Where did we leave off last week?
1: So chronologically, with the story, we've talked about all of these things so far. We know that Mary and Joseph are betrothed to be married. They are It's a little different than engagement like I talked about in my little mini session on Wednesday, but they had been committed to each other by contract for a really long time, but they were not actually married yet, and the angel came to Mary and said, this is going to happen, and she said... So be it. And we know that Elizabeth, her relative, was pregnant at the same time and had been pregnant for six months with John the Baptist. And we know that Joseph finds out that she's pregnant and has decided that he doesn't want to put her to shame, so he's going to just end their relationship quietly. And then the angel appears to him in a dream. And so they decide to move forward with their relationship. They go to Bethlehem to register, and that is where Jesus is born. And when he's born, we know that the angels come to the shepherds in the field and announce that he's been born. Great tidings of joy. And then the shepherds go and see him and worship him.
0: Okay. In Matthew 2, after Jesus is born and the wise men or the magi or whatever you want to call them come and visit Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And so it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So essentially, Jesus is born. He's still in Bethlehem with his mom and dad. And there's a guy named Herod, who's the king. And we know from other accounts and just from history at the time that Herod was like a pretty cruel king. He was not a nice guy. We do not like him. I'm pretty sure he was known for like killing his family and friends just to try and stay in power. So bad guy. And it says that wise men come from the east. I think it was like Persia, India, and there was one other place that's escaping me right now. But it was not from Israel. So these guys are coming from outside of Israel. So they're definitely not of the Jewish heritage or Jewish culture. And so they come to Jerusalem and they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And it says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him." And assembled the chief priests of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, "In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet." And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Okay, so before we keep moving on, just to kind of explain what happened there, so. The three kings, we assume that it's three, um, come to Jerusalem. They end up asking Herod, where is Jesus? Where is the king of the Jews? And Herod's like, hold up, another king? Like, what what are you talking about? And so then Herod gets some of the Jewish leaders of those days and asks, like, where was this guy supposed to be born? And they tell him that he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. It's so cool that they knew he was going to be born in Bethlehem and Jesus had already been born in Bethlehem. Like that prophecy, yep. what they're referring to here is actually from Micah two. Micah is one of the books of the Old Testament. He was a prophet, which we talked about this last week, but a prophet was essentially somebody who God had chosen to tell the people like what was going to happen. And so Micah had already said, hey, somebody's going to come and save you, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem.
1: And this would have been hundreds of hundreds years Hundreds of years,
0: exactly. And so I think it was it's between 700 and 400 years before Jesus was born. Jewish leaders knew that somebody was going to be born in Bethlehem, and they was going to be the ruler and the king of the Jews. So now we'll continue on in the story. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and asked them when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found them, bring me word that I too may come and worship. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's where we're going to leave the story for today. So the wise men get to Bethlehem. They see the star and they come inside the house and it says they rejoiced exceedingly and they fell down and worshipped him.
1: So I think a lot of us know that there were three kings or wise men or magi in the story. But it's interesting because I have not really done much thinking about them or much research on them before this. And I was curious what exactly they were and who they were and how they even knew to go – find Jesus. So basically, from what I read, I can tell that they were basically spiritual Mm -hmm. leaders. They were in charge of educating the royal family. They were astrologers. like They would study the stars. They obviously had heard the prophecies that the Messiah would be born and they were following a star that they saw. So they, they knew that he would be born somewhere in this region. So they went to the capital and asked the king, where, is, where has this new king been born? Then when they go and they finally find Jesus, I imagine it being like, this is a legend. When they saw the star, they immediately knew that it had happened. And they went on foot so that they could worship him. In person. They wanted to go and fall on their face and, and proclaim out loud that he is king. Anyway, yeah, I don't know what I thought these guys were or how I thought they heard about Jesus, but God told them that he was born. And so they just went in faith and he had been born and they found him and they worshiped him in joy. It's just so cool to me how all of the parts come together, basically running just on word of mouth, prophecies, and the Holy Spirit and yeah. angels.
0: And it's just amazing because the people that come, like the magi and the shepherds, Like, it's not the people that you would think would be coming to see the birth of Jesus. And I love that. Like, you have shepherds who are outcasts, and then you have these, like, wise men, kings from the east. And they couldn't be on, like, more polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm. But they are both invited to, like, come to the manger to see Jesus.
1: Yeah, I think it says a lot about how God sees us. He doesn't view us the same way that the world does you know, based on status or whatever, he sees our hearts. And that's how he knows us. And that actually reminds me of a part of this story that I think is amazing, which is that he chose Mary to carry his son. And we've talked about this, she was super young, probably between 13 and 15. And She was so willing and so filled with joy at the opportunity to be used, which I think is perfectly fitting for this week. And we haven't read this part of the story yet, so in order to get there, we're going to have to go back in time a little bit before Jesus was born. So this is when Mary is pregnant and going to visit her relative, Elizabeth. Yeah.
0: Um, Do you want to read it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're at
1: Luke 1, 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Y'all, I'm going to read Mary's response in a minute, but I just have to stop and say, Elizabeth is this ancient old woman who is six months pregnant when she thought she was not able to have kids for her whole life. And Mary hasn't even said anything to her about this yet. And... As soon as she sees her, she knows that she's pregnant with Jesus. Yeah. How cool is that?
0: And it's so cool, like, as you were reading that, I was struck by the fact that everybody, like, this story is, like, dripping in joy. Everybody that encounters either the news of Jesus coming or Jesus personally, like even before Jesus was born and before John the Baptist was born, like he leaps with joy. The shepherds are told that they are receiving good tidings of great joy. And the wise men, magi, fell down rejoicing. Like joy is in each one of those responses, which is just so cool. Because it's like, wow, when we encounter Jesus, our... Instinct is joy. It's so cool. And
1: Mary, her response is beautiful. Mm -hmm. This is the longest stretch of verses in the Bible that was spoken by a woman. It's a song of joy. So, this is her response to Elizabeth, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mm -hmm. I think that her joy in obeying the Lord is, it has to be supernatural.
0: It is really amazing of, like, she is proclaiming what Jesus will be for all generations. Not just, and she has the, like, wisdom to know, like, it's not just for me. It's not just for the people that I will encounter. It's so much bigger than that. And it's like very, like her words are very triumphant. Like she's proclaiming them. It's not just like, I think that this is going to happen. She's like, no, I know that this is what's happening.
1: Genuine joy leads to gratitude and gladness. I wrote that down as a note when I was listening to a sermon recently. And it made me realize that when we're truly joyful, when we're tr- when we're truly at that place with God, where we are rejoicing in all that He's done for us, our response—we're mm-hmm. grateful. That's the state of being that He wants for us.
0: Yeah, that is really true. It's it's a product of being with Jesus and of spending time with Him.
1: Yep. Um, I read a. C.S. Lewis quote, this is um, towards the end of the quote, the delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In inviting us to glorify him, he's inviting us to enjoy him. And essentially what he's saying here is that delight in something is incomplete until we get to express it. That's it's part of what makes something joyful is the ability to share it with somebody. For instance, if you find a recipe that you love or a new artist that you like to listen to, or you went on a cool trip and it was so fun or, or something really cool happens to you, the thing that makes it come full circle and feel like this is truly awesome is when you get mm. to share it with somebody else. Yeah. You share it and your joy in it is complete. Yeah. So I love this, to fully enjoy is to glorify, and when God is inviting us to glorify Him, He's inviting us to Hmm. enjoy Him.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah, I just think that in this season, He's not just sternly saying, obey during this time of year, obey in your life, be good. He's saying, I want you to see what I'm doing, tell me, tell others, enjoy it, and and just experience the joy yeah. that comes from yeah. being Come with me. Yeah, like
0: worship me and let that overflow into the people around you. Right. It is really true. Like when we experience something that's so good, we want to tell people about it. And that's the yep. shepherd's response too. Like when they encounter Jesus, it says that they go and tell everybody. <laughs> the joy that overflows will impact the other people around us. Yes, we're called to be obedient, but we're also called to delight in Jesus and to delight in who he is. And yeah. we hope that this Advent season that you're able to do that, to take the time to enjoy Jesus and like read through this story. Read like Luke 1 and 2 are amazing and like read through them for yourselves. Really take it in and really hear The story of Jesus coming to earth.
1: Yeah. So, as you're going out into your week and to sort of close the podcast today with a summary, here are the main points about joy this week that we want you to just sit in yourself. We started by talking about Philippians 4 4 through 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I would challenge you to see if new joy is born out of gratitude and rejoicing.
0: Yeah, And remembering that joy is not the same thing as happiness, that joy is a deep soul feeling and happiness is more circumstantial. Whatever circumstances you're walking into the holidays with, know that whether that's the best, like you're so excited or it's going to not be a time that you're super pumped about, joy is still offered to you like joy is not a result of our circumstances it's a result of being with jesus
1: yep yeah and that's the the third thing based on reading the stories of the magi and of elizabeth and mary we know that when we truly encounter jesus The result is joy for our souls. We were created to be in a relationship with him. And so when we do draw near to him, when we do rejoice in that, then the response in our heart is gladness and just straight up joy. If you're not feeling that today and you've been listening to this podcast and you're thinking, cool, I I know that I should feel joyful. I know that I should be able to lean into what I'm grateful for that God has done, but right now I'm just feeling really disconnected emotionally and spiritually. I would encourage you and challenge you to try this. Ask the Holy Spirit for joy. Specifically the prayer that I want you to pray is that you that he would comfort you in such a way that you can rejoice in any circumstance. So I don't know, maybe write that down on your hand, maybe write it down on a sticky note. God, would you comfort me in a way that I can rejoice in any circumstance? Would you show me what it means to rejoice in you? This week, as you're reflecting on joy, he might reveal more and more to you about what his heart is towards you and about what it means to feel that joy in any circumstance, no matter what, ups and downs, goods and bads, mediums, <laughs> just <laughs> any day, every day, what is it like to experience that joy in Christ? You get to know for yourself. All yeah. you have to do is ask.
0: And remembering like it's not our job to muster up joy. Like right. the, asking Jesus for joy is the exact right posture to have. Emily, will you pray for us to close this out?
1: Yeah, I would love to. God, we know what it feels like to muster up happiness and to seek out pleasure when we're feeling bad. But would you show us the true meaning of joy? And we believe that you want so many good things for us. And the good things are not just this temporary situational happiness. The good things are the true grounding sense of joy that you offer us. And so would you comfort us in a way where we can rejoice in any circumstance? Would you show us what your joy is like? And would you show us what it means to rejoice? We love you so much and we're so grateful for Jesus. In his name we pray,
0: amen. Amen.
1: We love you girls. Thank you for putting up with us as we are not experts on Advent, but are just enjoying the birth of Jesus.
0: Yes, y'all, we have had so much fun, and Emily's right. We're not experts, but we are just happy to be here and to be exploring Advent along with y'all. Tune
1: back in on Wednesday for Anna's mini podcast about joy. Bye. Bye.